If you've been listening to this show from the beginning, you'll know that it's kind of evolved where we started talking about budgeting, mindset, why ADHD makes money hard, and then all of a sudden I'm like, yo, now we're ready to invest. I get it. You're still not there. I wasn't there for the longest time. It took me a few years to finally figure out how to get the budget going and how to get my mindset right and how to finally have it fully set in stone in my brain that this is what's important for me. It's not going to take a couple months. It's going to take a lot longer than that. So let's walk back. Let's start back and talk about what it really is going to take for you to start budgeting, start saving, and change your financial future. Welcome back to ADHD Money Talk, the show that helps dynamic but distracted ADHD brains like mine and like yours take back control over their money in order to stress less of a more enriching life and open up new possibilities. But really, we're trying to stress less and get the ball in the right direction. I am your very humble and very ADHD host, Dave DeWitt. Today, I want to share with you some of the personal sacrifices and struggles I have made and have had to deal with to help get my financial life together. And let me tell you, it did not take overnight. I didn't just figure it out one day and say, oh, I'm amazing at money now. No, it's not that simple. It doesn't take that quick. It's going to take lots of starts and stops and tries and failures and recovering and bouncing back and resilience. It takes a lot. It takes a lot. So, so much. This topic for today was inspired to me by one of my listeners. So thanks. You know who you are. So the situation for many of you out there, you may be enjoying listening me talk about investing and saving for all these big dreams and goals, but to you, it's still feeling a bit aspirational and far off, not quite where you are in your journey because you're stuck trying to remove still that clutter and figure out the budgeting thing, the paying off the debt thing, the how to save thing, how to stop impulsively spending. You can set up a great budget, but you don't know how to execute. Maybe you really like intellectually understand the budget. You understand what it is, what it's supposed to be, how to set one up, the process, why it's important, and you've done your one-page financial plan, you wrote down your goals and your values you really care about, you have it down and it's on your fridge and you walk by it every single day, but you haven't read it, actually stopped to read it in like three weeks or whenever you first did it. It's kind of like when you have that app on your phone that you're supposed to go look at every single day to help you, I don't know, count calories, even though it's on the front page of your home screen, you still forget to do it. That's just ADHD. That's just what it is. It's the craziest thing. So maybe you have the whole plan. You made the entire plan of how to reach your goals, what it was going to take, and how much you need to save. And all of that's ready to go and ready to be implemented. But then the progress stops there because you can create the greatest plan ever for yourself after one day of hyper-focusing or hyper-fixating on it, and then you never do anything about it. And that's ADHD. So when it comes to implementing the plan, there's just a wall, and you can't get through it. You are over budget, you're forgetting to check your budget, you're still impulsively spending, and nothing is really changing. And maybe you are even feeling some guilt and shame about this because you put effort and time into making a plan for yourself, and you're just not doing it. Or maybe you've tried the exercise of asking yourself if you really need the thing, and try taking stock of what you already have and practicing gratefulness and all that. And maybe these work for you when you actually do them, but maybe actually doing these exercises is tiring in and of itself and takes up a lot of your energy, and then next thing you know, you're not doing it anymore because every time it is a bigger internal battle than you feel it needs to be, but nevertheless, it's a battle, and it's tiring. And the next time you're confronted with wanting the thing, well, you're more depleted, and you just can't say no. The internal alert that's supposed to go off is getting weaker until it's gone. So if you relate to that, then this episode should help you. I'm going to talk about my story again, 
Really, it's because I want you to see if you can relate to it. I'll talk about my past struggles with impulsive spending, how I still have to fight off that spending devil. I'm going to talk about all the things I sacrificed to help me take back control and give some guidance on how to think about figuring out a solution that can work for you to make your efforts more sustainable and get you to where you want to be, where you are confidently crushing your financial goals. And that is very possible. It's so possible for you to get there. It's going to take time, though, and effort, lots of speed bumps, but you will get there. So let's get into it. So a quick recap of my story for those of you that may not have listened to the first episode or forgot or whatever. So I was diagnosed with ADHD in 2006 when I was a freshman in high school, but it wasn't until early 2021 that I had my ADHD awakening and realized how much ADHD was affecting my life in ways way beyond just taking crappy notes in school and forgetting where I put my phone and and that kind of stuff. So in those years in between, 2006, essentially, when I was diagnosed, and 2021, life was really volatile, filled with ups and downs, but the predominant theme was that I had to rest all of my shortcomings on my own shoulders because I felt something was wrong with me, that I was morally flawed, that something was internally just wrong with me, that I wasn't even a good person sometimes. You know, with sports, I messed up drills and got yelled at by my coach all the time and was called dumb or even retarded. And I believed it. I internalized it and let self-doubt and fear of failure, fear of not being enough, fear of disappointing others sort of overrun my life. But there also always has lived inside of me this really strong resiliency and a refusal to give up and a drive to prove to myself that I am not dumb or stupid or a failure. And so that is something that I have had, which is a good But feeling like that all the time is also really, really stressful and really traumatizing and led me to having significant self-doubt and self-worth issues and having perfectionistic tendencies, people-pleasing, etc. So my ADHD awakening, which led me to read a number of books, I've read about five, six, seven, I don't even know, nine, ten books at this point, essentially, and read as much as I possibly could, really started in me the personal journey to self-discovery and healing. Just reading books, just reading books to understand my brain in other people's ADHD brains and just understanding everything I possibly could about ADHD that's available to me that I could at least understand started to help me really understand that it's not my fault. I'm not the moral issue. It's just that I have this thing in my brain called ADHD that makes me think about the world differently and have certain shortcomings, but also I think some strengths and some gifts that I wouldn't otherwise have. And let me tell you, I am still very much on that journey. I annoy my fiance so much when I'm always talking about ADHD and why this or that and why I've discovered this is why I do that and all this kind of stuff. But it's constantly, constantly just going to continue being a journey. And I remind you of this because this is related to my money journey because it's all tied together. So during the, this time in between my diagnosis and the reawakening, I was feeling all the ADHD symptoms in a big way. And impulsivity really is, and I think still is, one of my biggest ADHD struggles, the way my ADHD expresses itself the most. And one of the primary ways it expressed itself was in how I handled my money. And I actually was on both sides of the impulsivity spectrum when it comes to money. Early on after college, uh, my first job as a mutual fund accounting analyst. I was more on the side of being an impulsive saver, but I was impulsively saving in order to impulsively buy stocks and trade stocks and invest and research companies and I got really, really into it. I thought I was going to be the coolest stock trader, picker, thinger ever. And that was my hyperfixation at the time. And that hyperfixation lasted for a long time in several different magnitudes over time. So like I said, my dream was to be, you know, a Wall Street stock analyst for a while. I knew I didn't have good enough grades in college. I graduated with like a I don't know, 3.2 GPA from a from a good school, but 
the Wall Street analysts all had Ivy Leagues, all graduated from Ivy League and business school and you know whatnot, the most prestigious things. And so I knew for me, I had to get my CFA if I even had a chance. The biggest, baddest financial certification that exists is full of high-level math and calculus and high-level financial concepts, you, you name it. It's three tests and I passed level one on my second try. And just for an idea of how hard this damn thing is, last August, the level one test had a 28% pass rate, I believe. So yeah, it's hard. I woke up routinely at 4.45 a.m. just to study for a few hours before work. At work, on lunch break, I would literally sit alone and study for like an hour and a half to two hours to the point where I had my supervisor come tell me, you know, you have to stop taking such long lunches. And I'm like, well, I'm still getting all my job done. But he's like, you know, you just can't do that. I was like, all right, all right, all right. So like I was so hyper fixated on passing this and proving to myself I am actually smart despite the fact that my working memory is awful and despite the fact that I forget things really fast and despite all the things that have haunted me that contributed to my feeling that I was stupid, called stupid, embarrassed and all of that. I wanted to prove to myself that if I can pass this test, then it's official. I am not stupid. It's finally official. I can stop telling myself these negative things. And so after passing, and as I started studying for level two of this three-pronged crazy hard exam, I just couldn't study. I was burned out and just not motivated anymore to pass this test. The hyperfixation died instantly. And so during this whole time of my life, my first career, while I was renting an apartment, I wasn't impulsively spending money at all. In fact, I was pretty frugal and I was kind of scared to let my money go, except for buying and trading stocks. And to be honest with you, I actually did quite well trading, though I've since realized it was all pure luck, like not even a little bit of skill. It was pure luck. And that's not to diminish myself. That's just the truth. And trust me, that's the truth. So in the come down of passing that level one exam, of course, a new hyperfixation would pop up. And what was that hyperfixation going to be? Well, it was going to be buying a house. I was fortunate enough to be able to make a down payment. And this was really the time that I began to shift to the other side of the pendulum when it came to spending. At this point, I was one year into working as a financial advisor, but I was focused pretty much exclusively on investing in my role as a financial advisor at first. I wasn't operating as a comprehensive planner where I was giving lots of advice on spending, budgeting, values, goals, and all of that. So as I started to spend my money, I didn't have the behavioral training at the time, and I really wasn't a personal finance expert. Like again, I was exclusively dealing with research and investing in stocks. And so boom, when I bought that house, it triggered in me the spending devil. And the spending devil came out in such a bad way. And boy, like boy, did he come alive. So I bought the house and I fully furnished it in one day after a trip to a few furniture stores all on credit. You know, I got no interest for like 24 months. So like who could resist? I was going to make a lot more money in the years to come and it was going to all solve itself. I'd be paying off that debt in no time. And then still wanting to make the house even more perfect, I saw how I could like put this golf simulator in the garage. So I did that, like six grand or something like that. Boom, done, on credit. I now have a golf simulator in my garage. I have a house. Look at me, I'm the coolest guy ever. Now I was doing all of this thinking that I would be making way more money and everything would take care of itself like I just said. But it really just didn't because I depleted basically all of my savings. I built up a bit of credit card debt and then because I knew how bad that was, I started dipping into my investments to take care of the credit card debt and then would get more aggressive with my investing to try and make up for all the money I was taking out of my investments. I was doing this blindly without consulting anybody by myself, just completely self-sabotaging and it all backfired. In the end, 
Result was I basically had a nice house with a golf simulator, but nothing else really to show for it. I blew through all of my money. All of it. But I carried on spending money anyways. And at this point, I knew lurking in the back of my mind that something bad could happen if I kept on this thing. But sort of like depression, sort of very insidious part of my brain just wanted to keep going, going, going. It couldn't slow down. I don't know what was going on. I just was going, going, going. So I kept spending money, golf clubs, golf gear, lots of rounds of golf, HelloFresh, huge grocery bills, eating out, subscriptions, golf lessons, landscaping in the backyard, joining a country club, just spending, thinking it would all take care of itself. I was going to end up making a lot more money. I was in control of my future. So I was just spending money. When I look back on this time, It honestly feels like a blur, almost like a dream, and it feels incredibly, incredibly shameful. I feel still very much guilty about how I behaved. I still have a large amount of imposter syndrome thinking, how in God's name were you able to do that, Dave? How can you stand up there now today? You know, I passed my CFP. I'm officially a certified financial planner. How could a certified financial planner possibly spend like that with no care for who else he was responsible for, with no care for his financial situation, with no care at all, just to please some selfish thing inside of you. That's a story I would tell myself, and I still fight to not tell myself that every single day of my life. It's a hard thing to square, to have to look back and realize that that was the reality, that I did that behavior. So it's not that easy just to forgive yourself and let it go, which, you know, I've made a lot of progress towards that, but I still have a lot of work to do. I know that. I still carry guilt and shame around that. Opening up and being open and talking about it definitely helps. And you know what? I don't really care. I know that I do my best work for clients and I'm really, really passionate about it. And so I don't really care. It did happen. I'm trying so hard not to let that kind of thing slow me down and think that I can't do my job good for other people because I couldn't do it for myself. That was the past. That was the past. I can only look forward. So the end result of all of this was a good chunk of credit card debt, a lot of anxiety, a lot of embarrassment, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of bad feelings. And like I said, a lot of imposter syndrome. So how did I get out of this mess specifically? The first thing that really triggered a change in me, like deep down in change that started to like rewire the way I was thinking and rewire my brain in a way that would enable me to actually make actual changes was reading books on ADHD. I really truly believe that reading books on ADHD and learning more about my brain and learning more about my diagnosis really helped me to sort of realize that like I can manage this better. I can be a better person. I can get over this, not over ADHD, but I can put things in place and I can figure this out. I don't have to live in this life with this brain feeling like I'm never gonna be able to have it together. I started to feel more empowered to be able to make a change. And I truly think that, and I recommend anyone to read books on ADHD if you haven't. I really loved reading Delivered from Distraction, ADHD 2.0, and Taking Charge of Adult ADHD by Russell Barkley. Those three books, I think, if you read those, you'll really start to truly at least feel like you're starting to understand yourself and maybe sort of springboard you into making changes in your life, not just financially, but all over. And so I do think that it was in reading these books that I was inspired to get it together. And I truly think that there was a level of healing and self-acceptance that no, like I'm kind of alluding to, opened the door for me to even be able to embark on this journey at all because I started to feel worthy of having a good financial situation. So I became very determined to clean up my mess. I decided to pursue my CFP. I wanted to be a more rounded advisor for the people that I'm helping. I want to be able to help people with their values, with their goals, help them spend less, help them understand what they really want out of life and help them get there and help guide them and teach them and educate them. 
That's what I loved doing. That's what I love doing now. But I did know that I had to walk the walk. I had to walk the talk. I had to be able to do it for myself if I was going to be able to successfully do it for others. And so I started tracking my spending. I started budgeting again. I reined in my spending in a big way. And now this, my friends, is what it takes. It takes actual action. You can't just set up the budget and think it's going to work. You have to make decisive changes. You have to go kind of hard, in my opinion. You have to sort of just rip off the Band-Aid and make changes. For so many of the ADHDers that I talk to, it's clear that all the promise of wealth building and financial peace of mind and a healthy relationship with money, almost all of that is possible with almost all the people I talk to. This is possible with just a lot of sacrifice. It comes down to sacrifice. And while at first a lot of it will feel like there's no way you can give it up, let me tell you, you do get used to it. You get used to it once you give it up. You forget about it, and the thing that you have to give up is not as rewarding as the feeling of being in control of your money and your life financially. So what specifically did I give up? I gave up meal kits. No more HelloFresh. That saved me over $400 a month alone. I gave up shopping at the premium grocery store, and I switched to Lidl. That is saving me about $300 a month. I gave up my country club membership for a year. That saved me $450 a month. I stopped buying so much golf crap. I just stopped. I just literally just stopped. And I don't know how I stopped because normally I would say I would stop and then I wouldn't stop. But again, I think reading the books, I think really going through the experience I went through and feeling that guilt and shame also definitely played a part in helping me actually this time be able to follow through. I gave up my membership to Hand in Stone. I love massages, but I didn't need them. That was 60 bucks a month at the the time. I stopped buying new clothes, period. I haven't bought myself a new article of clothing apart from a couple ADHD shirts I found online a few months ago in like literally six months, six months since I've bought anything really for myself. I used to spend a good amount on clothes, especially like in spending waves. I would go for a period being obsessed with like a certain kind of shirt and I would buy so many of them and I would just do that without even realizing how much I was truly spending. So let's just say that saved me 20 bucks a month. I also lowered my cable bill and canceled a crap load of subscriptions. And that was at least 100 bucks a month in savings. So just from that right there, just from cutting off all of that fat, that saved me 1300 bucks a month right away. And I became very into it. I became hyper-focused on spending less and paying off debt. And I was getting very much focused on getting back into investing the right way with smart allocations that were designed to help me reach my long-term goals. And so I did do all of that. And I'm proud of it. But today, where am I? So it wasn't that long ago, like literally like maybe three weeks ago, I started to feel the spending bug trying to come back to me again. So now that I am more comfortable, I have less daily money stress, I'm out of debt, I have some savings, and I'm regularly contributing to my investments. This is the period of time where I'm needing to be extremely careful because I can feel the energy come into me that wants me to spend. I can feel it creeping into me. I've found myself wanting to make home improvements in our backyard. I've started to find myself browsing some golf shirts online and it feels weird. I can feel the energy in my body coming in to my body. I can feel the urge, the desire to have things come to my front door, to make improvements, to spend money, to make my life look prettier now because it's very satisfying. 
But because I worked so hard on my money with actual action of cutting out expenses, of actually tracking my budget and actually engaging with the budget, because I did that for a long enough time, I developed the muscle and I developed the awareness to the extent now that I'm even able to tell you that I can feel that energy coming into me. And because I can feel that energy coming into me, I'm aware of it. And I'm aware of it in a way where I can actually fend it off and stop it. So just for an example, I wanted to make improvements to the backyard. I also really want to finish my basement. I had money set aside to do that. I had the desire to do it. I had the estimate. I had the guy I really wanted to do it with. I ended up being able to say no and saying, I'm not ready to do this. I need to keep saving. It's not in my best interest. I was able to say no. If you were to ask me three years ago, I would have had that basement finished. Boom, done. Same thing. I wanted to improve my deck. I got an estimate. I said no. I'm saying no to the improvement of the deck and the, to the basement. Even though I can afford it and because I and I will enjoy that, it's not important enough to me right now and I'm able to say no thanks to the awareness and the education that I have and the ability to feel the energy and fend it off and see through it. And now, literally this week, I am reconfiguring, I'm blowing up my budget process and I'm redoing it I'm getting a new rewards checking account and I'm rejigging my entire budgeting process and I think I'm doing this out of the desire to switch things up, to do something new and I think this is a much healthier expression of wanting to change something rather than wanting to spend a lot of money or spending a lot of money. I'm refocusing my brain on the budget with a new sort of style of budgeting just to keep it fresh. Three years ago, this would never have happened to me the fact that I'm just sort of naturally doing this tells me that it was from practicing the budget, it was from practicing actually acting and making changes to my lifestyle and living within my means that I was able to, again, develop this muscle. So I really can't stress that enough. It takes practice, it takes doing, it just does. And I know doing is such a trigger for some of us with ADHD because it's so hard to just do it. Well, eventually it gets to the point where you feel like you have no other option and you will just do it. I don't know how I can help you do it. One way you could do is work with me. I will definitely help you do it, but that's what it comes down to. So think of a time in your life when you finally just did it. What did it take for you to finally do it? What can you do to set yourself up for success or to help you get into the right mindset? So it's gonna be unique for all of you, but I really do think that once you start practicing, it will get a lot easier. So my advice to you out there is to really get to know your brain. If you haven't yet read, you know, Delivered from Distraction, Taking Charge of Adult ADHD or Adult or ADHD 2.0, then I really recommend it because learning about your brain and how it works and why it does what it does was such a big first step for me that I really think helped me sustainably work towards my own goals. The book I'm reading now, which is really, really good, is Permission to Proceed by David Guy work, I definitely said that wrong, who founded the ADHD Coach Academy, and that's the number one ADHD coaching academy out there. And from there, I really think that for a lot of you, you have to consider doing something almost drastic to interrupt, to break the pattern that you're so used to. Assuming your issue is too much spending, think about what's the most expensive thing that you feel like you can't give up but if you did give it up, it would create the space you need to really progress towards your goals. What is that one thing? I encourage you to do something big like that. And after a couple of months, you may be surprised at how much more freedom you have and realize how much you didn't actually need that thing or that service or that 
that thing that you just feel like you need. But you really have to figure out what it is that's holding you back. Maybe you don't have as much fat to cut out like I did. You have to pinpoint where the problem is. Too much impulsive spending on random things that you feel like you don't have control over. Too much of an inflated lifestyle or both. Which is how I would say I was. Both inflated lifestyle and feeling not in control of my spending behavior. And so at the end of the day, it is simple. As tough as it is for me to say that, it's simple. Making financial progress means keeping more of your money at the end of the day. So why aren't you keeping it? Figure that out. Do you feel worthy of having wealth? If the answer to that question is not a resounding yes, then that is something to explore because that is truly, in my eyes, a prerequisite and will make everything else come much easier. So my listener who brought this subject up to me said that when she stopped spending, it left this vast chasm or this void in its absence because the spending scratches such an ingrained itch that it just leaves this void wide open. And she was trying to fill it with joining frugal money groups on Facebook. And she was referring to her one-page financial plan, her values, and her financial timeline. And I think those are great. And I understand that this may not be enough to scratch that itch. And that itch is very strong. We ADHDers, unless we can find a healthier itch to scratch and have done the work to start transforming our actual mindset, then any progress we make is often doomed to failure and to not being sustainable because of how easy it is to fall back into old patterns if we aren't truly doing the work to rewire our brain. With ADHD, we have interest-based nervous systems. So doing something that is not interesting, well, it just doesn't actually happen. We don't actually do it. So it's important to make your journey interesting, fun, and exciting because you understand deeply how valuable the freedom, the peace of mind, and the bigger things worth saving for really are to you. And you develop through practice of being frugal, the awareness of when you're stuck with a big spending bug, you have that automatic response to notice, question, and refute it and push it out. And so I challenge you to do one month of very frugal living, saving as much money as you possibly can. I recommend starting to track your net worth because that can be fun to see your progress, to see a line going up and to the right. Even if it's as simple as writing your updated net worth on a whiteboard somewhere you can see every month. And that's great because you're going to actually love having extra money that you can put towards your goals. Because you've listened to this podcast, you know you want it. You want to have money left over. You want to have a savings emergency fund. You want to have investments. You just have to break the pattern and actually make behavior changes to make that happen. So you're so close. You just have to make those behavior changes and practice it. Give up some things. You'll realize you don't really need them and you're going to get there. You're going to make huge and amazing progress. You're so close. All right, so that's all I have for you today. It was one of those kind of ramble episodes, but I hope me sharing some of my story and how I got it together will help you. And remember, you can't expect to just be able to do a budget and have it work because It's not that interesting just to do a budget. You have to find a way that works for you to get fired up about it. Visualize those future dreams. Make them real in your brain. You got this. If you want any support at all or have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out at ADHDmoneytalk.com slash contact. Next week, I am going to talk about some strategies to gamify your finances to help you try and make it, like we're talking about, more interesting and more exciting to get you fired up about crushing your financial goals. See you next week. Bye-bye.